I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. At one public square, we have 40 Metro Council members, one Vice Mayor. Their relationships and decisions will determine what happens to the people of Davidson County. What will they decide? How will they work together? We now take you inside council chambers. Activate retinal scan. Welcome Special Agent Nicole Williams. Code name, Theater Kid. Transmitting communique. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, save the Morris Building. As always, should you or any member of the This Is Nashville team be caught or killed, the station will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This message will self-destruct in 10 seconds. Good luck. Nicole, is this another one of your bits? I can't say. I can't compromise the mission. Wait, did you just bring an explosive device into the studio? Don't be silly. That would be against all kinds of rules. And you know me, the rule follower, the local government obsessive. I've never even gotten a speeding ticket. Uh, give me just a minute, though. I need, I need to run outside. Fire in the hole! <sighs> okay. <laughs> are you are you going to pretend like there wasn't just an explosion outside? I was literally just outside. There, there was no explosion. Okay, if you insist. You know what they say, believe women. So, let's get back to this mission, the Morris Building. We've talked about that on the show before. Finally, a topic I know something about. Mr. Mayor, I want to ask you something. We just heard that it looks like the Morris Building, the, the historic Morris Building that was designed by McKissick and McKissick, Moses and his brother Calvin, has been sold. Now, this is a very historic landmark for African Americans in Nashville. It stands on a plot of <laughs> land that was once used to sell enslaved people. Then, once the building was created and constructed, it became a hub for African American business. Were you just reading that off a script, or do you actually know what we're talking about? Nicole, you're not the only person here who keeps up with the news. I guess you do work next to a literal newsroom. I just work next to my cat. Exactly. So, the Morris Building. A couple of weeks ago, our very own This Is Nashville team broke the news of the building's impending sale to a private developer. The idea was that it would be used for a boutique hotel, which seems to have made some Nashvilleans pretty upset. But how are we going to save it? When we learned of the possible sale, we quickly assigned Special Agent and Council Member at Large Zulfat Suara to the case. 
She's been working it discreetly for several weeks, and now she's assembled her colleagues to pass a resolution indicating the council's desire to see the building preserved. This late filed resolution um, is a resolution urging the mayor of the Metropolitan Government to pursue all options to ensure the preservation of the Morris Memorial Building, including using the building to house a museum dedicated to African-American and civil rights history. I know Special Agent Suara doesn't actually operate alone. Did she call in reinforcements? Of course she did. This mission is far too critical for just one agent. So, Special Agent Suara hopped in her secret spy minivan and picked up Council Members Delicia Porterfield and Jeff Prepti. Wait, who is Jeff Prepti? You've been pronouncing it Preptit the whole time I've known you. Look, Khalil, even the most special of agents can get things wrong from time to time. Fair enough. Okay, so back to the resolution. The council wants to see the building preserved, but how would that work if the building is being sold to a private party? Does the city have any control over that? Not technically, but my sources tell me the developer has quietly indicated a willingness to either step aside and let the city buy the building or work with the city as they redevelop the building to ensure its history is preserved. So then, what does the resolution actually do? Well, this is one of those memorializing resolutions. Oh, 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 I, I remember talking about memorializing resolutions with you on episode two of Inside the Council Chambers. They make a statement of the council's position, but they don't require anyone to do anything. It truly warms my heart to know you've been paying attention. Always. So since it's just a memorializing resolution, it basically just reaffirms the council's stance that the building is important and the city should try hard to make sure it gets preserved. Exactly. In fact, why don't we let special agents Suara, Porterfield, and Prep T explain it themselves? For those that did not know, the site where the building is, is the block where slaves were traded in Nashville. But that was a part of the story. The children of the slaves and grandchildren of those slaves pulled together their money and built what is now called the Morris Memorial Building. It was a building that was built by black architect, black architecture. It housed a lot of businesses that were black businesses in those days. And so that story is one that is a, of resilience, of pride, of one that every African-American child ought to know about what their ancestors did in Nashville. It is time to stop all the excuses and that we save the Morris building. This is the last piece of Black history in downtown Nashville. We are the heart of the civil rights movement. We are the heart of the, of the, the desegregation movement. So much of that work started here in Nashville, and we deserve to tell our story. Over the last few years, we have lost so many people that were a part of that movement, but we still have some that are still here. And we want to make sure that they can see their legacy honored and that their children and grandchildren will be able to see that legacy honored. Many of our fellow council members um, could very well be descendants of the enslaved people who were sold at this building. Um, it is crucial that we preserve the integrity of the rich cultural history that Nashville has. 
So I just implore all of you to um, vote in favor of this resolution um, and to support the Morris Building and the history, both good and bad, that is a part of the American story. Wow, that's some powerful history. Remind me why the city hasn't just bought the building. There have been several attempts to buy it. Former Mayor David Briley even had an option on the building that would have allowed the city to purchase the Morris, but that never materialized. And over the summer, Councilmember Suara filed an amendment to the budget that would have allocated $6 million to purchase the building. I take it Councilmember Suara wasn't successful in her mission. No, that amendment failed pretty dramatically. You can't win them all. We got a word that the National Convention, Baptist Convention, is willing to cut the price in half if we're ready to move from $12 million to $6 million. This is a great deal for that place. And this is a place that will be used not just for the museum, but also as biz uh, offices for Metro. I think the main point Director Flannery would underscore is that the reliance on the facility rental fund is, is ineligible in this instance. Remember, the facility the rental fund is the, is the fund that we rely upon for the Meharry contract that we entered into just this past fiscal year, but it is also the fund that we use to house several metro departments, including, ironically, the Human Relations Commission, the Community Oversight Board, the Public Defender's Office, the Metro Action Commission, the Social Services Department. So you're going to gut them a million dollars? That is an ineligible funding source. 13 knows 24 one abstention um, the amendment fails why did it fail doesn't everyone agree that it's an important building i think most people do yes but there were serious concerns about the state of the building then mayor john cooper's administration claimed there were some pretty big issues with the building like asbestos dun 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 Asbestos. Well, if there's asbestos, it sounds like they had to pour a lot of money into the building just to get it up to snuff. Right you are. You're catching on to this. It would require significant environmental remediation, and those costs would far exceed the Morris Building's appraised value. The uh, environmental remediation costs were extremely significant. It is loaded with asbestos and lead paint. The renovation costs, the subject of an Ernst & Young study about a year later, totaled $43 million, and that's over five years just to get it habitable. Wait a minute. I thought I read that someone with knowledge of the sale said there's no asbestos. Yeah, that's been reported, but I haven't seen concrete documentation from anyone, the city, the owner, or the potential buyer, on the question of asbestos. By the way, this has to be a record for the number of times someone has said asbestos in one public radio segment. We do aim to be exceptional. So I've heard whispers that the former mayoral administration wasn't actually sure whether there's asbestos in the building, but I haven't been able to confirm that, and I can't say anything more about that. Okay. Is there anything you're actually allowed to talk about? No. Well... Yes. I don't know if I can trust you yet. Nicole, we've been working together for months now. I think I make a pretty trustworthy special agent. Double agents are everywhere, Khalil. 
Anyway, there were also some issues with where Councilmember Suara was proposing to get the money to purchase the building. Um, moving this amendment as an opportunity for us to be able to buy the Morris building. Part five of this is not an available source for revenue. So that million dollars for facility rental, that is contractual obligations for existing leases we have. That million dollars is not available. If we can't meet our contractual obligations, then there's a possibility for uh, us to be in breach of contract and, and you know, litigation to ensue. Ultimately, it may have been an important symbolic amendment, but it certainly didn't move the needle. And it put a lot of council members in the unenviable position of either disregarding the finance director or appearing not to care about the preservation of a building that has incredible historical significance, particularly for black Nashvillians. Oh, then this mission is right up my alley. Elizabeth, action team go! Khalil, Khalil, I love the energy, but you gotta focus. Remember your training. Okay, okay. So this resolution that was approved at the last council meeting, does that move the needle at all? It's hard to say. I don't think we'll know for sure until the sale goes through or the potential buyer walks away. And even then, it'll be hard to pinpoint the reasoning for the buyer's actions because they've been rather tight-lipped publicly throughout this process. The deal is set to close in mid-December, though, so unless something happens, and quickly. This mission seems nearly impossible. Yeah, it's almost like the mission itself is self-destructing. Uh, listen, I need some fresh air. I'm gonna take another lap around the building. What? Where are you? Not to believe. You gotta believe there's a chance. There's always, there's always a chance. <sighs> okay, I'm back. <laughs> are we just gonna, you know what? You know what, Khalil? Ne never mind. L let's just go to the next mission. Ah, yes, the Net Tango contract. For this mission, we'll need a very specific type of agent, someone who's a bit of a loner, who takes his martinis shaken, not stirred. A nerd with a particular set of skills in the healthcare technology arena. I've got just the man for the job, Agent 0014. Huffman, Jordan Huffman. Special Agent Huffman is an expert in technological innovation, a master of contractual evaluation, a virtuoso in the realm of website legislation. But untangling the Net Tango contract might be his most dangerous mission to date. <laughs> <laughs> the shareholders are going to love this. <laughs> Ooh, Soho House membership. Here I come. I can get another account in the Cayman Islands. <sighs> now my girlfriend can finally become the influencer she was born to be. Those crypto cats better watch out. I'm going to take a bath in caviar. <laughs> <laughs> what am I listening to here, Nicole? Why, that's the sound of top executives at NetTango, chatting amongst themselves, laughing, etc. I can read the sound design notes too, you know. What I meant to ask is, why are they chatting amongst themselves, laughing, etc.? Oh, they're watching the last council meeting and preparing to pop open a bottle of champagne. They've got a fairly lucrative contract for website hosting on the agenda, and it's almost fully approved. It's on third reading, which means the council just has to say yes tonight, and they're golden. 
The following items are on consent. And as of right now, colleagues, all items on third reading are on consent. Wait a second. What does on consent mean? That just means that all the bills will be voted on at the same time without discussion. Bills that aren't deemed controversial, you know, the ones that get through committee without any no votes or abstentions, those get put on the consent calendar. Any council member can request that a bill be pulled off of consent, though, which they would typically do if they have questions that haven't been answered or if they want to vote no or abstain on the floor vote. Got it. Okay, so the Net Tango contract is on its third reading, which means it's on consent, right? Well, that's certainly what it looked like. All items on third reading are on consent. Smells oh, like money to me. A lot of money. Uh, pass out the cigars, friends. <laughs> we'll light it up. We are going to be rich. Where, where's yeah. that champagne? Yes. Pop those champagne bottles. Ball. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Pop, pop. Here, pass that around. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on, everyone. Quiet. Are there any items that need to come off the consent agenda? Mr. Huffman, uh, you are recognized, sir. BL 2023-1. Okay. Hey, wait, who was that? That's, that's, that's 0014 Councilmember Jordan Huffman. He's new. He's good. We were warned that this might happen. What will we tell the shareholders? <laughs> we, we can't worry about that right now. We're under attack. Quick, get oh. to the shredders. <laughs> Nicole, I think we may have gotten ahead of ourselves. Sometimes I just get carried away. Well, let's let the audience catch up. Can you give us a quick rundown of this net tango contract? Of course. Basically, we're going to pay them, and they're going to provide us something in return. It's innovative and technological. It'll be a really, really great deal. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. But just in case someone else has any questions, do you mind explaining what you mean by innovative and technological? Nicole, are you okay? Khalil, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I really can't explain. Wait, you? Nicole Williams, the expert of all things Metro Council, what do you mean you can't explain? See, this is why I refuse to call myself an expert. A special agent knows her limits. There are invariably items on the agenda that are way outside of my wheelhouse. You know, missions I simply could not complete on my own. And anyway, I'm not the contracts guru. That's a job best left to Q. Q? Who? Why, the only Q on the council. Council member at large, Quinn Evans-Siegel. Ooh, does she make any special gadgets? Not quite. Her very particular set of skills allows her to dig deep into the particulars of various contracts coming before the council. She's a detective of sorts. She uses her background in transactional law and governmental agencies to deftly sift through even the densest of contracts. She's the perfect complement to 0014's tech background. So what was 0014's opening salvo? We uh, are currently in one of the most innovative technical cities in the United States of America. Uh, 
With that, our website should reflect that. Uh, I myself have experienced a lot of issues with our, our website, Nashville.gov, and have had many reported to me. It concerns me that we're getting ready to uh, enter into a, another five-year relationship with a company that, uh, to from everything that I can tell, not only provides an antiquated service, but also is not located in Nashville. Uh, my question to the administration to, to begin with is uh, simple as this. Were any Nashville tech companies considered uh, with this deal? Mr. Sexton, you're recognized. Thank you. Um, I, I've had to research that with uh, control uh, IT uh, professional. I'm, I'm not sure I can research that and give you the answer you need. I can research that. Um, is there anyone else at the administration table in finance or otherwise who might be able to speak to Mr. Huffman's question? Okay, I am seeing none. I'm not really liking that answer. And as always, Q was there for backup. So Ms. Evan Siegel, do you seek to be recognized? This is a five-year contract. And what we do know about tech, particularly programming tech in this environment, is that it is rapidly changing. AI is taking over a lot of it. The fact that we would enter into a five-year contract at this point without looking at other term options, other provider options, um, is some concern, particularly given that we have a new administration that is supposed to be tech-focused. So did they get the answers they were looking for? Well, not really. It's clear the new mayoral administration is still working to find its footing. They've just hired a guy named Brian Sexton to serve as the liaison between the council and the mayor's office, and the last council meeting was his very first meeting. And once 0014 and Q got the questioning started, their colleagues followed with even more. If something happens, this lapses and and we have no support. I mean, does the whole website go down or it just sort of slowly disintegrates? Or, I mean, can somebody just give us a little bit more detail on what that looks like? I'll, I'll take note of that and have a conversation with Ms. Donna Clark and I'll get back to you. There are too many uh, unknowns. We're not getting any answers from the administration. Do we own the website? I do not know the answer to that. How often do we refer work out to the vendor to do that would just be considered routine work? I think these are all questions we need to know before we approve a five-year contract that is in the millions of dollars. You know, I know Brian, and he's a cool dude, but it sounds like he needs to brush up on his tango. I don't think the Metro Benefits package includes dance lessons. You know what? Maybe it should. All right. So where did the council end up on the contract? Did they approve it? Surprisingly, they didn't approve it. They settled on a two-meeting deferral while the administration works to get their questions answered. Wait, why is that surprising? I figured with that many questions and so few answers, they surely wouldn't let it sail through without further scrutiny. You would think that, wouldn't you? But last term, the council had an unfortunate habit of questioning the administration, not receiving satisfactory answers, complaining about the fact that they didn't receive satisfactory answers, and approving the legislation anyway. This council seems, for now at least, more willing to actually use their leverage, their vote, to get answers. Okay, so it sounds like the threat has been neutralized. For now. But as in every good spy movie, we have to leave the audience with a cliffhanger. And there's another set of contracts looming on the horizon. <gasps> More contracts? More contracts. Mm. The subject? The East Bank development. The mission? 
hold the administration and the proposed developer to the highest standards. The agents? Angie's Angels. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we have Nicole Williams on to talk about some of the latest actions from our Metro Council. You can always join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville, and it's that time of year. We're so grateful for the things that have helped us all through the year. Now's your chance to show your gratitude for this show and everything you hear on Nashville Public Radio. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Before the break, we heard the latest episode of Inside Council Chambers. Will the historic Morris Building be saved? What about that net tango contract? Well, Metro Council expert Nicole Williams is here with me to talk about those missions and what we can expect over the next few months. Nicole, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Khalil. This is really awesome. Now, we got to make work our microphones out in the studio to get you here, but... For this moment, Nicole, all you, you don't have to talk. You just listen to me. So the Mars building, we talked about this on the show before. And for, so for our listeners who really don't know much about the building, just to give a quick overview is that the building was built by McKissick & McKissick, two Nashville-based architects and their icons of Black Nashville. It was a hub for Black-owned businesses and an important part of our city's history. We heard about council member at large Zulfat Suarez's efforts to get the city to purchase the building, but no matter how much she's tried, attempts have failed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so council member Suarez has been at the front lines of uh, trying to get the city to purchase the building, as I mentioned, and as you heard, she attempted to um, get an amendment on the budget this year, um, and that failed, unfortunately. Uh, but this has been sort of a long-running conversation in Nashville. I think several mayors have attempted to purchase the building or have looked into purchase the purchasing the building and um, have come up with reasons one way or the other why it just didn't make sense. You know, Nicole, there's a lot more to it than council members simply not wanting to purchase the building. Can you just give us a little bit more context on this? Yes, um, I do think that a lot of council members are interested in seeing the building preserved, whether that is through working with a private partner or through the city purchasing the building. Um, but they are concerned about the costs that go along with purchasing uh, an old building. For instance, we a couple years ago purchased the um, former Tennessee School for the Blind at 88 Hermitage Avenue, and we have yet to do anything with that building. It was in really poor shape when we bought it, um, and we just haven't had, we didn't have any plans going into it. And so I think that council members are concerned that that's where we are with the Morris building. Okay. Now we've got about four minutes left. I do want to say, you know, on the last episode of Council Chambers, we talked about council member Courtney Johnston, yes. who was asking some very pointed questions about seating and decorum in council chambers. She expressed some displeasure with people d who were eating during meetings, they're leaving trash, and had a problem with folks' general behavior during the meetings at times. She also suggested that the press sit in a different area. And we did an episode about it. Yeah. We got a phone message from listener Judith Baer, who felt that we were ganging up on council member Johnston in a way. What's your response? So 
let's get into it. First of all, I love listener feedback, especially criticism. It really helps us improve the show and it gives us an opportunity to remind the audience what the show is about and what we're trying to do here. So um, we are really, this is satire. We're having fun with something that's typically dry and that people aren't really interested in. And so what we were doing um, with the segment about Councilmember Johnston was really just pointing out like what she's about as a council member and what she is trying to do. Um, you know, I love an opinionated woman. I am an opinionated woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have no qualms with council member Johnston asking a lot of questions. Um, and I am never coming from a place of, of trying to be mean spirited um, or anything like that. You know, it, but it's, it's interesting and it's kind of a delicate because when you're doing Matt, when you're t- addressing, pardon me, matters, matters of matters of public concern, in a satirical manner, you have to have that balance. You got to be delicate, but you have to be thorough. When you so tell me what goes through your mind as you're thinking about the themes for each Inside Council Chamber episode. So I really just try to let it come to me. I try to be inspired. And I also want to draw out like those little funny moments that people don't necessarily realize if they're not watching every single meeting. And that's what I did with that segment in particular. There were a couple of rules committee meetings that no one was watching, um, but allowed us to sort of riff on the idea of someone really digging into the details. Um, And so I... I try to approach it from, you know, we've got a different main character or two each episode. Um, and so it's not just Councilmember Johnston. We, you know, we've got enough fun and jokes to go around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, you know, there was a concern about maybe I'm angry because the press is getting moved. Um, I just want to remind people, and maybe they don't know, I'm an opinion columnist. Um, I actually don't sit where the press sits in the council chambers. I sit in the gallery. So I have no issue with the press being moved out to the gallery. They'd just be sitting with me. Mm-hmm. Now, in her message, Judith was upset that council members um, sitting in the chamber, she said, quote, you know, why did our tax money go to make it very comfortable for council members? Can you clarify what's happening there? Yeah. So obviously I was playing up the sort of differences between the council floor and the gallery. It is not the Taj Mahal on the council floor. They just have nicer chairs. I mean, we sit in pews in the gallery. I don't want our council members to be sitting in pews. Um, They deserve nice chairs because we only pay them about $25,000 a year. So they are not living the high life. It's something that I do want to add is that when we were talking about designing this segment, it's something that we said we were taking a satirical approach, but we wouldn't be mean spirited and we wouldn't you know, hit anybody below the belt. But they're public officials. They ask for the job. That means all of them are absolutely fair game. Anything else you want to add, Nicole? No, I just want to say thank you, Judith, for calling. And I encourage anyone else to call in and give your feedback. We love to hear from you. um, And we appreciate you being engaged. That's right, Judith. We want to thank you and everyone else who reaches out to us. We value the comments of all of our listeners. All right, Nicole, what are you, any quick plans for the holidays? Oh, I wasn't prepared for that question. Nicole Williams brings you inside the council chambers. You can find her on X, formerly Twitter, at Startles Easily. And you can see her bi-monthly column at the Nashville scene. Bi-weekly column, pardon me, with the Nashville scene. Nicole, thanks so much for this.
We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to set the scene with some local reps of SAG-AFTRA and a union expert to get an update on the tentative deal with the studios. Will the actors accept the deal? You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We make this show happen, but only with your support. So give now to WPLN.org to keep that support going. Thanks so much. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. The film and television industries shut down on May 2nd of this year when the Writers Guild of America went on strike. While the other major unions, the Directors Guild, Producers Guild, and SAG-AFTRA were not on strike at the time, nothing could proceed without the writers. When the actors joined the writers on the strike on strike on July 14th, we were basically all realized that our favorite shows weren't coming back anytime soon. But there was hope. Again, when the writers reached an agreement in October and the actors reached a tentative agreement last month. But there seems to be some questions about among union members about whether SAG after the contract is really the best deal that they can get. Joining me now is friend of the show, Carla Cristina Contreras, who is the president of the Nashville local SAG after ch chapter. Carla Cristina, welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so last time we talked, there was a lot of excitement about the strike ending and, you know, people getting back to work. How are you feeling now? Well, I can't wait till 5 p.m. Pacific today. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like I've been on the edge of my seat. I have been on Zoom calls. I have watched everything that I can. I have seen dissension. I have seen overwhelmingly positive um, I've seen it all because that's who I like to be. I like to see it all. And five o'clock is when all of the members are going to vote to ratify or deny this. Right? That's it. It's the deadline to vote on Pacific. So okay. 7 p.m. for us. All right. You know, I've talked to my sisters and they're both actors and SAG mm -hmm. members. They, they have some concerns. Well, I'd say this. One has a lot of concerns about AI and some of the provisions in the contract. The other one, not so much. What have you been hearing about the concerns? Well, there's always been concern. That was our probably our number one thing. It, if it wasn't the number one thing in our package, I believe that we pushed across the table. But of course, it's obvious that there's concern. And here, but here's the thing: thank God, we got something, and we got a lot. We got a lot more than we thought we were going to get. Mm -hmm. And and it is very dense. It, I'm not an expert in that arena, but the thing is, is we now have something and then we get to go back to the table every six months instead of nothing. Every six months, you all are going to go back to the table? For AI. For AI. Which, I'll be honest, I pushed for more than that because technology moves very quickly. Three months is one year in technology. And I have a background in that. So I, they were like, yeah, AMPTP is not going to give us more than every six months. Okay, so we'll see what happens in six months. Now, at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, the vote is happening. The vote deadline yeah. occurs. When you scroll through social media, do you get an idea that there are a lot of people who really may or may not ratify the contract? What's your impression of where people are leaning? I think that I think that there's probably a good amount of people. I don't know what that percentage is. I sat on a call last night, a Zoom call that was all about dissension. And I wanted to hear those voices. The unfortunate thing about it was that there was no one to answer the misinformation mm. um, that the those members had. I think dissension is very healthy. I also am excited 
for the fact that we have members more engaged than ever before. So that dissension is healthy. It's good. It is good for us to disagree so we can have full, robust conversations, something we try to do on the show. Now, if you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake Alona. We're talking this hour about SAG-AFTRA and the ratification vote. Also with us is Vonda McDaniel. She's the president of the Central Labor Council of Nashville and Middle Tennessee. Vonda, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Khalil. I'm happy to be here. Really a pleasure to have you. So, so you're very involved in the union happenings around the city and region. Nashville's local SAG-AFTRA chapter is not the only chapter of a major union here. We also have United Auto Workers, or UAW, in Spring Hill, who were on strike earlier this year. Can you tell us about what you observed from the UAW negotiations? Um, so much like um, SAG-AFTRA, um, there's been a new energy around unionization and the contracts. And just like the contract that we're kind of biting our nails to see what happens this afternoon, um, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. Um, this is a time when I think coming out of COVID and workers want more and they see that, you know, corporations are making lots of money. And so they want their fair share. That's all their fair share. From what I understand, the contract wasn't ratified here in Spring Hill, was it? It was not ratified in Spring Hill, but it was ratified across the GM chain. Why do you think it wasn't ratified here? Well, I, I think that we have a strong organizing local here. Um, I also think that um, we have a lot of people that have transferred from plant closures around the country. Um, you know, they've seen the, the best and the worst of, of what working in the auto industry can bring. And so they felt like it was their time. Okay, so UAW and SAG-AFTRA, are obviously operating in very, very different sectors, although I'm sure some actors do play like auto workers, right? They have a different presence here in Tennessee. <clears throat> Pardon me. Vonda, do you see similarities between the, the both of their strikes that happened this year? Um, in terms of the visibility, I mean, I think we've had, this has been strike summer that has gone into now strike fall, right? Um, so we have lots of unions that have taken their power, that have organized, that have built solidarity and are going out on strike to get the best deals possible. And so workers are workers, whether they're movie stars or whether they're on the line in the auto plants. And I think that that is the, what you're seeing a lot of. Do you feel like UAW got a fair deal? I feel like that they got the best deal in a generation. I've been doing this work for 30 years, and I haven't seen these kinds of gains in one contract. What about SAG? I think the same thing. Um, you know, this AI conversation is one that is evolving, um, and it's going to—we should all keep our eye on it, because AI is not just in that industry, but in all industries. Mm -hmm. And so— um, it's something that we should watch, but I think that the language that they got is a great start. All right. I want to thank you both for being here. I want to thank my guests, Vonda McDaniel, president of Cent the Central Labor Union of Nashville and Middle Tennessee, and Carla Cristina Contreras, who is the president of the local SAG after chapter. Thanks to you both. Really appreciate it. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by yours truly and Elizabeth Burton. It was directed by a senior producer, 
Tasha AF Lemley. Special thanks to Michael Pollard for helping us out on the boards. Live tweeting was handled by Miss Elizabeth Burton. The masterminds behind our theme music are Lorange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to the Inside the Council Chambers players. Carrie Pagetta, Chuck Cardona, Willie Bigfella Sims, Jerome Moore, Eric Insignaris, and Derek Basidius. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And be good to each other. <laughs>